0: Kia ora e Ehoma, kia hello family, hello friends, it is nice to be able to speak to you today like this, it's not as good as being together, that's for sure, I would much rather that, but however, it is good to be able to do this today, uh, I hope that what we do as we share this for a few moments is encouraging, I hope that it is helpful for you today as you Sabbath, as you stop, as you rest, as you delight, and as you worship, I hope that there's something encouraging and delightful here as you do this with God. Um, We would much rather be together, but this this is still a pretty good option today. What we want to do is we want to continue what we started last week. Last week, we opened the letter to the, uh, to the Philippians and we reflected on Paul's prayer there. And we finished our prayer week by sharing a message. We actually couldn't do it together, we couldn't do it by speaking. So, what I did is I wrote it into a written sermon. And you can find that at centralvineyard.org/slash/blog. That's where you can find that. We'd love you to read it if you missed it last week. But what we did is we finished prayer week by looking at Paul's opening of the letter to the Philippians, where he prays for for them. We unpack that prayer. And today what I want to do is just continue on a little bit more, reflect a little bit more on this wonderful wonderful book. And um, last week we looked at his prayer. Today I want to look at his tone, because there's a tone to the letter to the Philippians that's quite unique. It's quite stunning. You know, Paul's not trying to address a problem here. Paul's not trying to correct something. Paul is just incredibly Happy and greeting his friends. Uh, This is how we started last week. We looked at the fact that he he is greeting his friends. There's Aroha, uh, there's Fenungatanga going on here. There is this love for some friends, a group of people that he's connected with, and it's stunning. So there's a reason there that he's obviously really joyful as he's writing to them. But there's also another reason, and this reason is quite absurd. He is joyful that he is in prison. He's joyful that he is in prison. I just want to read a little bit of this next part of the letter to you today. Just a few verses, just for the sake of time. I'm not going to read a big piece. I'm just going to read a couple of pieces. So chapter 1, verse 12. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ and because of my imprisonment. Most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ And dying even better. Paul is joyful in prison. You know, at face value, this doesn't make sense. Commentators say that Philippians is one of the happiest books in the Bible. Why? Why would this be the happiest book when it comes from such a context, such as prison? You know, Eugene Peterson says in his introduction to this letter, he says, Paul doesn't tell us how to be happy, Paul doesn't even tell us that we should be happy. Paul simply and unmistakably is happy, and none of his circumstances contribute to that joy. You know, his circumstances that he is in house arrest, he is literally in chains with a Roman guard keeping watch on him every minute of the day. The Roman guards would have taken it in shifts for several hours, so he would have had several guards during the 24-hour period, but every day, every hour, every minute, he is literally chained to a Roman guard. That means that the, you know, the movement he would have had, his ability to go on mission trips, all of that's been taken away from him. His ability to go and be productive as a pastor by visiting people and being with people and, 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 and um, teaching them—it's—it's it's not able to be done anymore. He's incredibly restricted. He is in a place that would be—I guess there's a thing in him of—I want to get stuff done, but I can't because I'm in prison. And the situation of that is not nice either. And so there's this whole thing in him of why why should you be joyful, Paul? You're not in the the the, the liberated free space you were a matter of, of years ago when you were visiting the Philippians. And I resonate with this. I resonate with this because because every lockdown that we have had stops the sense of the momentum we have as a church. You know, my my job I, I get out of bed to to see you pursue the way of Jesus. I get out of bed to pastor and to care for you and to serve you in pursuing the way of Jesus, having your life formed in the way of Jesus. And seeing you is a big part of that. And every time we can't meet, every time we can't get together, there's a part of me that says, God, this is so restricting. You know, part of what we do as a church still continues to happen. This week, we had uh, over 200 meals that were, were were given out through the gratis um, operation. So that still happens. That's still happening. That's still, fr- that's still fruitful. But this being together, seeing each other, being able to cheer each other on in the way of Jesus, this lockdowns don't help us do that very well, do they? I I, I sort of resonate with Paul and the restrictions that he is living in. And I look to Paul and I look to this text this week and I ask this question. Well, if you are, if you're in that situation, how can you be so joyful, Paul? Because I find joy leaking out of me as we go through this. This is not fun. This is not what I want to do. And I'm sure, as you as you've navigated your weeks of lockdown recently, you've probably found the same thing. There's a there's a there's a there's a I don't know a groundhog day nature to this. Now this is hard work, and it's like oh, here we go again. And a bit of joy, a bit of goodness seeps out of us. And so I look at Paul and I say I ask this question: How how could you be so joyful about this, Paul? How could you rejoice as you said in the scriptures today? And was a couple of answers, a couple of quick reflections. Firstly, Paul is incredibly Christ-centered as a man. And so as a result of his being Christ-centered, he is gospel-impassioned. The message of Christ has caught him well and truly for good. His entire worldview has been reframed by what Christ has brought to him. Christ has brought to him a new way of seeing all of reality, that the kingdom of God is at hand, turn, turn, and see god is making all things new be amongst this you know this is the story of paul paul was a was a stranger to god and god made things new god made him a friend god was a, uh, paul was a zealot and god made all things new god made him a servant you know he watched paul watched this literally happen around him in his ministry he watched the gentiles come to faith. He watched the communities come to faith as they started to put their lives into trust of Jesus and what he was doing with them. He watched fruitfulness come. He watched all sorts of goodness come. This Christ-centered way of seeing all things has literally borne fruit all across the uh, the area that he ministered in. He knows it well and truly that it is alive and well. He has witnessed it. And so Paul is so Christ-centered That the apostle tells the people he's writing to in the first verse there that I read. He says in verse 12, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that's happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. So even being in prison, this thing is still happening. The message is still going on. The goodness is still happening. The context may be this context, but it's still going on. Paul is so Christ-centered. He's so gospel and that even being in prison, those things are still happening around him. Uh, in the Message Bible, it says, I want to report to you, friends, that my imprisonment has had the opposite of its intended effect. You see, his imprisonment was meant to stop his ministry. But actually what's happened is it's continued on. It's actually still bearing fruit, even in that place. Even in prison, Paul can see the work of Christ at work. The guy literally cannot stop looking for the furthering of God's kingdom around him. You know, those words, they they demand that we actually take a really good, long, long, hard look at ourselves today. We need to ask the same question of ourselves. What has this lockdown furthered? You know, some of the answers might be, well, um, rest. The lockdown's furthered rest. I, I managed to have some rest. For some of us, that's not our reality. For some of us... The, the lockdowns were just frustrating. <laughs> they furthered frustration. You know, for some of us, it meant more family time, and I've been really grateful for that over this last this last week, in particular, just being able to spend a lot of time with my boy. As frustrating as it is when he's smashing my laptop, when I've gone to make a quick coffee and he's jumped on the table and he's starting to smash away, copying me, and it's like, no, don't do that. Um, but for some of us, also, that's just been incredibly exhausting. You might be limping into the end of this week after another week of being at home with kids and just all of that demand uh, creates for you. You know, for some of us, these these lockdowns we've just been through might have just caused more anxiety to raise again. Um, for some of us, they might have been incredibly focused times as we managed to nail in on something that we're trying to get done and it created a lot of focus. There's the space for us to be able to focus on those things. You know, the text asks this question though of us. It's not about those things. It says, but what... Has this furthered in regards to the gospel for you? Or maybe another way to ask this would be, in this time, has the gospel gotten bigger or has it got smaller? In this time, has the gospel got bigger or has it got smaller? You know, what does Christ and his gospel mean to you? Does does it mean enough? Is it a big enough container that even in suffering you'll still hold on to it well? Is your view of the gospel big enough to be able to walk through discomfort, to be able to walk through disruption? Does it hold up when you find yourself in those places? Or, or do we just put our own comfort above and beyond Ihukaraiti and Te pai, Jesus Christ and the good news? Paul has seen that kind of gospel This gospel has framed up such a new reality for him that he can't help but be grateful. He can't help but be full of joy. And so maybe that's a lesson for us today, a reminder for us today, that no matter the circumstance we find ourselves in, no matter the kind of restrictions we find ourselves in, continuing forward, or the ones we've been in just in the last couple of weeks, we are actually invited to be people who practice gratitude. That the gospel from Jesus himself, Karaiti, his message to us, is one that reframes all of reality. And even in those spaces, we, can too, we too can say, God is still at work with us. And so I don't want to say, let's practice gratitude in a kind of like that pop culture kind of way where it's kind of like, let's just put up something on Instagram or um, let's have that like terrible poster that hangs up in our hallway. That's not the kind of practice gratitude I am kind of advocating for here. What I'm saying is we need to practice the Christian discipline of gratitude, which is to celebrate. The Christian discipline of gratitude is to celebrate, is to choose to celebrate. And that's exactly what we see here from Paul as he is entering into the space with the Philippians. He is writing a letter of celebration. He cannot be contained. And he is practicing celebration. He is practicing gratitude. The Christian is to practice celebration. So what can you celebrate from these last couple of weeks? What has advanced? To the Christian, joy. Joy is because of Christ. To the Christian, it's not because of circumstance. It's not our circumstances that we're joyful in. It's Christ, the one who's with us in our circumstances. And so today, be reminded That no matter the circumstance you find yourself in, quite literally, it could be in prison under Roman guard. The Jesus way is a way marked with joy. Here's an idea I just want to finish with, just as I land this thing today. Last moment. Today, I want to invite you to practice a prayer of examine. Practice a prayer of examine to look back and to pray and look and find a moment of gratitude. And so look back over the recent lockdowns, look back over the last couple of weeks, look back over the last couple of days and locate for yourself something that you can be grateful for, something that God was at work doing in you. Maybe it was simply just a little attitude in you where you could have reacted a certain way under the pressure that you found yourself in and you didn't. Maybe it could be God, God's Spirit at work in you in that way. Maybe it could be a circumstance where you delighted in something that was such a gift that you weren't expecting to have, but you had it because you were in that circumstance. Maybe it's just seeing God's goodness playing out in your everyday life. Maybe maybe it's seeing it in relationship. Maybe it's seeing it in things that are going on around you. Maybe it's seeing it in work. Maybe it's seeing it in provision. I don't know what your one will be. But practice a prayer of examine. Look back over this last little period, and practice gratitude. Because as Paul did, he let this new message of Christ reframe everything. And we too can do the same thing. So may you look back and let Christ's message reframe everything. And may you practice joy. Grace and peace to you. God bless you. We'll see you soon, hopefully.